Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey friends, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my favorite books. Not literally, but I did create a book list for you with all of my favorite books for self-love and body image and self-confidence and just overall self-healing and growth. I am a huge personal growth person. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that I talk about come from the books that I've read. I'm a big reader and I always tell my little sister, readers are leaders. And I love audiobooks. I love book books. I love Kindle. I love all the forms of books. Just give me all the goods. So I decided to create a book list for you with my top 25 favorite books. And I actually add to this list. So there's probably going to be more than 25 books on it. But I have narrowed it down to top 25 books that you need to read to start the self-love journey. I'm not saying you have to read all the books right now, but you should have this list handy dandy for when you're getting a book on Amazon or shopping in your Audible or whatever. So I've created this book list and you can get it at maryscupoftea.com slash books. And I will also put it in the show notes. And let me know how you like these recommendations by screenshotting what you're reading and tagging me in your Instagram stories. I always love seeing you use my recommendations. It just makes my whole day because we're like a little community. So anyways, maryscupoftea.com slash books. Go get it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast. Today, I am joined by Bethany Goldser, who is a teacher turned college admissions consultant, and she advises parents and students on proven strategies for getting admitted into their top choice colleges and finding the money to pay for it. Um, I've been to college. I know that struggle still paying off those student loans. So I'm really excited to talk about that, Bethany. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mary, for having me. I'm so excited. And I want to mention you have a company called Standout College Prep, which you launched in 2012. And it's your side hustle. But meanwhile, you also have been working at a nonprofit Urban Upbound since 2009. So you have this like well-rounded career that I think we can all only dream of. Can you tell us more about your journey and what led you into this industry or industries and um, the message that you spread? Absolutely. So I can I can tell you as a disclaimer, it has not been a straight line. Um, I like to tell people that the way that I've gotten to where I am today is organically. I sort of really listen to myself and what's inside of me and like where I need to go. Um, my journey began um, in my childhood. I mean, I had a I had a troubled childhood. Grew up in a single parent household. Um, I was in a lot of trouble. all throughout middle school, my parents had no idea what would even happen of me. And then one day something just clicked that said, okay, I can either continue to be an F up and do nothing with my life, or I can take opportunities that are in front of me, um, such as getting a good education at the school that I was attending and um, sort of see where that leads me. And so I decided to really take my education seriously. And I know it sounds cliche for some people, but college really did change my life. I um, aimed high and I set my uh, sights on the University of Chicago. That was the closest school to where I was living at the time, Indianapolis, the closest really good school to me. So that was an easy choice. And um, I got in 
I, I worked really hard on all of my applications and spent probably many, many weeks in the library trying to put together my best application. I got in, I started off as pre-med, but something just didn't feel right to me about pre-med. I didn't like being in dark basements and labs and, you know, mm-hmm. studying many hours on end for, for tests. So I listened and I um, was volunteering at the time at a, um, a neighborhood school doing tutoring and just said, you know what, I think I want to do community work. I think I might want to be a teacher. So I applied to be a New York City teaching fellow. Um, and when I graduated, that sent me to the Bronx, where I was teaching high school seniors. I loved the students, but I didn't really like the bureaucracy of uh, the Department of Education. But the biggest thing that frustrated me is that so many of my seniors were graduating and didn't have a plan for after high school. Mm-hmm. So that led me to Urban Upbound. I applied for a job there as a college access coordinator. I wanted to do um, work, community work for an organization where I wasn't so bound by bureaucracy. So that's why I left the school and didn't go the, gu- the school guidance counselor route and sort of went that community educator route. And I'm so glad I did. I, I worked with some really wonderful young people. But the problem with nonprofit work is that there's really not a lot of money in it, not not really in the beginning, not that's going to allow you to live comfortably in a place like New York City. So rather than leaving nonprofit the world all completely, I I got some really good information from my sister-in-law who said, you know that there are people that live in Westchester and Long Island that pay thousands of dollars for people with your skill set. So why don't you just take on private clients? And I looked into it and, and found that this was actually true. And I just launched um, Standout College Prep. That was in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I would say within like three weeks of launching my business, I got my first pay, paying client, which was really, really cool. Like when, I, when she sent me the check, I just thought it was so surreal. I'm like, oh, wow, someone actually is going to pay yeah. me to help their kid with this thing. How cool is that? Um, and so I've been doing non- uh, the, the standout college prep business since then. It is my side hustle. It can be bigger than my side hustle. But the thing is, Mary, I really love the nonprofit work that I do. Mm-hmm. And I've been growing at Urban Upbound for the last 11 years. I started off as a college access coordinator. I grew to um, lead one of the uh, larger workforce development programs. And then from there, um, the CEO of the organization saw that I had a knack for fundraising and um, plugged me into the fundraising piece. So I've been doing development and fundraising for the organization, raising uh, between uh, six and seven million dollars for the organization for the last five years. That's a gift. That's a gift. I heard somebody say fundraising is like marketing on crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just telling somebody to like buy this one like 20 hundred dollar thing yeah millions and millions of dollars involved that's amazing yeah it's I I I love it because I can see the direct impact that when I can bring in someone into an organization not only to give money but a lot of people that are our funders really believe in our work and they really want to make a difference and so they become part of the change that is we're going to help impart um in the community wow that's an incredible journey so now, I think we're at a time that is super weird, and I think everybody is stressed out on different levels. Um, whether, I mean, I know a lot of people that just graduated high school and they're going into college and they don't even know what college is going to look like for them. 
Um, and our audiences are ranging. So we have everywhere from high school to college to out of college. But I think now the question that comes up a lot is like, what the hell am I going to do if, you know, I get laid off, if I get cut, cut back hours, or if I just can't sustain anymore, even a lot of people working part-time trying to do school and work and, um, or moms, you know, that's a huge thing. Like what, what options do you think people have out there? Mm-hmm. No, it's really real. This, the, 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 the level of uncertainty is at all times highs right now. And it's, can, it doesn't make anyone feel good. What I tell my clients that I work with, because they're high school juniors and seniors, and they're really afraid right now, they have no idea, you know, what college is going to look like, is that you should invest your time in improving yourself. So whether that be, you know, taking online classes, improving your resume, finding um, virtual volunteer opportunities that you can be a part of, I think that this is a really good time for, for learning and self-improvement and sort of, you know, dusting off your, you know, what is my five-year plan and sort of really building out what this is going to look like, because this isn't going to last forever. Um, you know, we will come out of this and you want to make sure that when we do come out of it, you know, you haven't been stagnant for the past, you know, year to 18 months. Yeah. I think that there's um, quite a few things that you could actually add to your resume during this, this Absolutely. little break, whether it's like a certification or education um, it, it doesn't have to be like a gap, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so people, your listeners should always be thinking about what is that thing that, what is that value that, um, I can add. One thing I didn't mention to you, um, is that this is a bittersweet moment for me because while on quarantine, I did make the really hard decision to leave Urban Outbound after 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dusted up my resume and I started to, you know, really network with some recruiters on on LinkedIn, and that led me to a job offer um, from a charter school. So I'll be doing fundraising. Um, I'll be returning back to public education, which is really exciting for me. And then I'll get to marry that with um, the passion that I have for fundraising and development. That is so cool! Congratulations! Thank you. It brings me to okay, a common theme I've heard throughout your story is that you really carved your own path. And like degree or no degree, I think we all have to carve our own path. I think the the thing I, the trap I fell into going to college is like, once I graduate college, there's going to be all these people just throwing money at me, wanting to hire me. And that like was not the case. Um, I don't think I've gotten a single email from <laughs> anybody um, because I didn't put that effort into, you know, trying to do something post-college. So you carving your own path, even just now what you mentioned, I was networking on LinkedIn. Like, how do you do that? How do you even know to do that? That's the things that they don't really teach us. They don't. I, I, I have really good mentors around me. So I sort of pay attention. I ask them questions like, how did you get that job? How did you get that opportunity? And so one of my mentors, um, she had transitioned um, a few years ago and she, she said, listen, you, uh, LinkedIn is a really good resource. I write a lot. Um, so, and I make sure to link what I write to LinkedIn um, so that people can see that I know my stuff when it comes to two things, fundraising and college admissions consulting. Mm-hmm. When I had, um, I find that with your LinkedIn profile, that's the thing that people have to sort of size you up. So in addition to you know the 
my career trajectory, I wanted to make sure that I had snippets with work samples that, that they could also look at. Um, I also have author next to my name on LinkedIn. So when I comment on a, um, a discussion thread that are read by recruiters and they see author, they're, they're going to click my profile and read about me and see who I am. So I found that I'm, it's all about keeping that LinkedIn profile up to date. It's about adding different articles or different pieces of your portfolio, making sure that, that is linked to the, um, the LinkedIn and just really just getting out there and participating in the message boards and, and chatting with folks and emailing people. It, that's how we met things like that. <laughs> yeah. That's how we met. Yes. <laughs> the first thing you said when we logged on was like, this is the, what the time we're living in now, you know, we never um, talked in person, but we were in a Facebook group together yeah. And you shared a little bit of your story and I was like, done. <laughs> this during this time, that's going to be very important. I even in my fundraising work, a lot of people won't be giving money this year because it's very tight. But they will be trying to make new relationships, meet new people. And so that is what I'm going to be working on as soon as I start the new job is figuring out who's in the community, who should I be speaking with, making sure that they learn about me and the organization, and that I learned about them and what they're all about. Mm -hmm. Facebook groups, LinkedIn, all kinds of social media, Instagram, even TikTok these days. That's what a lot of people are using. I mean, that's been huge for there's a lot of little sub communities and all on all of these platforms and everybody can kind of find their space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some of my closest friends and closest mentors that I've had for years and years and years, I have met on social media, either in a Facebook group or one of my, my business mentors, who's still like one of my closest friends. We've been friends for four years and I met her because I stumbled on a website I liked mm -hmm. and I scrolled down to see if somebody would, if somebody was credited to like designing the website and she was yeah. credited as the designer. So I reached out via email and we've been like best friends ever since for four it's years. It's just made the world so much smaller. And it's like now you can have people in your network who you truly connect with. It's not, you know, people just because we happen to live in the same community. So now we have to be friends. It allows you to really seek out your people in your tribe who really are like you and support you and can really help enrich your life. Yeah, exactly. You, you mentioned starting off as an access coordinator. What? <clears throat> this this term access, like what does that mean? I think the first thing that comes to mind is money. Um, and where it popped into my head because we were just talking about networking and people are, you know, something that we have access to now freely. Um, but when you were starting off, like what, what does access mean? Where do a lot of students lack access? Um, and how do you help people like open up those doors? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So Access in the, t in the context of college admissions means that there are certain population of people, um, mainly low-income uh, students, students of color, that where college isn't normally part of the discussion or the expectation um, when it comes to the public education system. So that's why I left teaching initially, because there was no culture when it came to encouraging the population of students to to pursue an education. So access in that context means that we, in, with intention, put together 
um, resources, knowledge, experiences that prepares this group of students for, for college, at least gives them that option. It doesn't mean that they have to take it. I do have students that I work with who didn't go to college, but they, they pursued alternative means of, uh, of enriching their lives. They, you know, chose uh, vocational training programs, for instance. They decided to do the online education route, take classes via Coursera or, you know, um, self-paced learning things. You know, that's fine, but it's giving them at least equal footing to say, listen, this is the information and you can choose whether or not this is the path you want to take. Mm. So like mindset, would that be like a good, I mean, not like what you see kind of mm-hmm. open the door. So that way, like you said, know that it's available to you because once you see someone else do it or someone else promote it or like, Hey, here's some things I can read about it. Like it makes it that much more real that it's no longer this far away thing that my parents didn't go to college. So like, why would I go to college? Well, Hey, there's right. so many people out there that can help you and that have done it. Exactly. Exactly. We, so we do that for college, but we also do that for, for careers. I supervised a team of career counselors who worked with you know, a lot of the students' parents. And I mean, many other people in the community, the organization serves about 25,000 people every mm-hmm. year, but it's also given them access in terms of various career options that they can, you know, access more than just uh, retail or security jobs. Many of the frontline jobs that put people at risk for the virus, for instance, are jobs that we try to get folks away from and try to get them more into careers in in technology or in hospitality, things that really pay great um, livable wages. So that access in the work that I do is is very critical because it is about, it's about mindset. And then it's also about really having access to those tangible resources that can really change your life, whether it be, you know, books, training programs, mm-hmm. um, even money. We're giving emergency grants to families mm-hmm. who have been directly impacted by the virus so that they can buy groceries or medicine and yeah. safely shelter in place. That is so needed. Um, Bethany, I wanted to ask you about job uncertainties. So right now facing lots of job uncertainties, I think a lot of people are in that mindset of like, I'm going to take anything that I can get, you know, like whoever can get me a job, whoever could pay me, even if they're underpaying me, um, whoever, you know, wants me to work a couple hours here and there, like I'm going to do it. And I totally appreciate the hustle. And there's been so many years in my life, especially before college and after college, saving up money that I've had to do that myself. But you also a big part of your teachings are following your passion, like actually being interested in whatever you're doing and using your unique story in order to leverage that in order to actually get noticed by colleges, by employers, by when you're networking, like whoever that may be. How I think this idea of like following your passion seems so daunting. And I wish I knew you six years ago when I was thinking about college because my biggest problem was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what I wanted my major to be. I didn't know even where I wanted to go because I didn't, you know, know what school supported what I was interested in. Um, how can we like find that out about ourselves? Mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up, Mary. Um, so one of the, one of my philosophies in college consulting is that no 18 year old is going to know what they want to do when they apply to college. And any student who tells me that what they want to do, I always tell them, you're not going to do that just so you know, you will probably change your mind. Just because you go through so many changes from the time you're 17 till you're 
22. And then even all throughout your 20s, you just keep changing course because you keep meeting people, you have various experiences. And that sort of helps to lead you through like what you're going to end up doing. Um, So what I, I would say the best thing that you can do, especially if we have a lot of women listeners, listeners, is listen to your intuition. Our intuition is so strong and it's been put in that, it's been made that way on purpose, I believe, um, so that we can make really good decisions. Decisions, so listen to your heart, really spend time meditating, reflecting, writing. These are the things that I do that I advise um, the young people that I work with to do to really sort of figure out what is that thing that they love. And then pay attention to yourself when you expose yourself to different activities. And this is why I think I think it depends on where you are in your life. So I think earlier on, it's okay to take on some of these jobs because it's by doing some of these jobs in, um, in the beginning that you learn, you know, what it is that you like. If you do it for a couple of weeks, you're like, I really don't like that, then get out of it. Don't, don't, don't stay with something you clearly know you don't feel good about because it is, it is a waste of time. So it's about having a lot of experiences. And then while you're going through those experiences, really listening to yourself, writing, meditating, thinking, asking yourself questions. And then you can ask other people. You know, I think there has to be someone in your life who knows you better than you know yourself. And you can ask that person, what do you think I'm good at? And I'm telling you, they will tell you, they will tell you what you're good at. Yeah. That's very helpful. What's interesting is that, um, you know, those personality tests, like I I love those. I'll take whatever personality test is free on the internet. (laughs) And I will, and a lot of them will ask, like, uh, ask your closest people, Mm -hmm. your top three skills or whatever. And a lot of times the things that people think you're good at or know you're good at because they've seen you in action aren't things that you would even recognize all the time absolutely it's me no like (laughs) yeah yeah and I I've learned to listen to them I mean my partner I I listen to him he says listen this is what you're really good at this thing and you should do this thing because I when I was thinking about where I wanted to shift careers I could have either gone to, to the fundraising route or the program manager like being an executive director. And he said, you know, you love fundraising. You love talking to people and you love the, the win of getting the person to say yes. And he says, just, just go that, go with that because that's what you're really passionate about. So having that reinforcement is always, you know, really helpful. Yeah. And what's your, what's your, I'm sorry, what is your, um, have you ever taken the Myers-Briggs? I have. Um, it's been a while. I think I am E N T. I think. Don't Very know. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am INTJ. INTJ. Yeah. So E and I, that's the introvert extrovert, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Highly yeah. extroverted. I mean, that's <laughs> anybody. Yeah. 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 Um, but what does the J, the last one stand for? It is judging. Judging. Yes. And, or, or perceptive, right? Or, like, yeah, right, right. Right. Yeah, we walk into a room. We're we're sort of focused on kind of what's wrong with it, like our perfectionists. Things are sort of put together good, and it, yeah, yeah. that's completely me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Do you recommend Myers Briggs to your students? I recommend it to my students. I I think it's I think for students, um, the True Colors test is probably the most easy, like easiest to unpack. It's it's a quick, simple survey. 
and it will tell them what color they are. So I like to recommend that because it's easier to sort of understand and to sort of, um, it helps with deciding colleges and it helps with deciding careers. I yeah. think for anyone that's in college or beyond the Myers-Briggs is really good for that. Mm-hmm. And it's good for really seeing, I think that mostly for interpersonal reasons to see what type of boss would I work well with and how should I approach people? Yeah. Because I think before I did the personality test in the way that I work with people, it was, it was a, from a place where I didn't, I didn't really understand them or try to understand them, but the personality test helped me start with a baseline. Mm-hmm. And when I became a manager, I required all of my staff take the test so yep. that I know exactly how we can work together. And where That's so important. Yeah, I'm actually on the lookout for an assistant, probably in about a month or so. And my therapist actually suggested that I have I, t- I take the personality test and I have them take it because I think a lot of people will say like, I'm flexible and independent and they'll kind of like mold based on whatever they you're looking for. But if you just have them turn in a personality test, then you can yeah. really be like, are we a good fit or not? Yeah. Um, and also these personality tests kind of give us that effect of like, you know, Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak, do you like right. to be front or do you want to be behind the scenes? Are you better off like starting your own business or side hustle? Or do you want to partner with somebody? There's so many things and they'll really break it down for you. Like here's what career fields might interest you. And there'll be random things that you've never even thought about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really good stuff. And when we, you talking towards a point of using your story because in college admissions, you have to do an essay. Um, I wrote an essay and I remember my essay and it was not that great. But um, that story, I think when we first connected, you talked about a gal who you encouraged to use her very vulnerable share. And honestly, that surprised me because my college admissions like counselor was like, you know, talk about your cultural background, like say that you're first generation American and that your mom is a refugee, like leverage those points and talk about why you're interested in your major. And it ended up making a really dry and bland essay that I didn't even personally relate to. And I was the writer of it. Um, what, like, can you tell us if, if that's okay, if she, if she can remain anonymous, that's totally fine too, about mm-hmm. what that story was that you encouraged your student to use and how that benefited her? Oh, absolutely. So I had a student who, um, she is an excellent tennis player Mm -hmm. and her parents, um, wanted her to be famous (laughs) based on her, it's in her tennis skill. And they went through great effort to make sure that she could train to be the best of the best by getting her really great, um, coach. The problem with that coach is that the coach believed that she wasn't thin enough and so this coach wanted her to um, go on a very strict diet that was very unhealthy and that it, this is like no 16 year old girl should eat like 500 calories a day and then go play tennis for 10 hours a day and, you know, and then expect that this is going to be good. And then this, she did lose weight and she got really skinny and the coach encouraged her to keep losing weight. And then she was really um, a, meant like verbally abusive to her. And so um, when I heard the story, um, the, the student just sort of told me the story matter of factly. And I said, oh, that's your, that's your college essay. And she says, oh no, I can never, I can never write about that because that's just, it, it, it just takes me back to a really, really dark place. And I say, well, you know, 
you are so confident now. Like the, I would have never believed you if you told me that that was you, or that's something that you experienced a year ago because you're so confident now. You are doing YouTube videos, you sing. You know, she had been homeschooled for 11 years of her life. She did, her parents put her back into public school during the 12th grade year, which is crazy because she ended up being going back into homeschool because of COVID in the second semester. But the fact that she went back to public school and she thrived, it's like her confidence level is like on high. Um, she didn't want to tell the story, but I said, but this is, a, this is a really important part of your story because it's how you got out of that and how you have completely switched your mindset now is something that you should share um, because it's deeply personal and colleges and people in general want to, they want to see the real you. They want to, you know, when we peel back all of the layers, the good grades, you know, the great, um, the, the, uh, the great activities, the, the talent in tennis, who are you? And you are a person who is resilient, who, who values yourself, your body, your mind, and you don't want someone telling you that you're, you know, you're fat. If you don't, you don't think that about yourself. You, you feel very good about who you are unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And so I said, that's the story you have to tell. And so it took, you know, some reinforcement. I'm very pushy. <laughs> I always remind my clients, listen, when you bring me on, you bring me on because you know that, you know, I've done this before and I can actually help you. Um, so just trust me, trust the process. Um, and she wrote the great essay in her own words. And I helped, you know, guide her, guide her there to make sure it was the complete story because she wanted to leave some details out. Um, but I said that it's part of the story. So let's, let's, let's just do it. Let's don't be afraid. Let's do it. And she was able to get into her top school, Northwestern with that essay. And uh, I, she's just like on cloud nine right now that she'll be starting in there in the fall. Wow. That was my dream school. That is so cool. Oh, wow. That is so cool. <laughs> I think, you know, behind every college, everybody or the person who reads the admissions or the essay, right? That's actually a person. <laughs> it's not a robot. Yes. It's a human that very likely could relate to it or some parts of it, maybe they have a daughter or a sister or they themselves, or, you know, just even seeing that humanity, even if you can't relate whatsoever, you still can sympathize or empathize. And, and we just, uh, yeah. And we humans love a good story. We love the drama. We love, because that really exposes who you are and, and the human struggle and, and the, and the, and all of us are looking for something. We're on a journey in search of something. And so that's what stories expose. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is why we watch reality TV and why I watch Love is Blind <laughs> one day. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, you I just love that show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe those, the, those two are still together. It's been a few months since I watched it, but I snooped the other night. Uh, Lauren and her husband. Yeah. It's, you know what's funny is like one of my friends actually just did a snippet on them on in the New York Times, uh, Bridget Bartlett, and it was really cute. She did a, a snippet on how they're handling quarantine. Yeah. Life. yeah. It's been so fun, like following along. I think what three out of the five couples are still together. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, for somebody who wants to, make a shift in their career. They're like, okay, I, I know some things that I'm interested in. I took the personality tests. Um, I am, you know, open to exploring some different options. I'm going to get 
vulnerable and connect personally and network and everything. What, what is the next step? What is the next step? Um, of applying, like I know with, with college admissions, you get the essay, which is like the big benefit, right? Like you can really leverage that. Like we talked about the humanity factor, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to like career changes and I know we have the cover letter, but it just feels like it's really difficult to get through and to get noticed. And I heard, I saw on TikTok, which is so credible, (laughs) but I saw a career specialist on TikTok say that a lot of recruiters spend six seconds on mm-hmm. a resume. Yeah. Okay. So I, this goes back to social media. I don't think that going to job boards and sending out endless amounts of resumes and cover letters is going to get you in the door or get you noticed. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. Um, one of the things that I um, do when I know that I'm going to be looking for a new opportunity is um, I sign up for the, the subscription that they offer mm. um, that gets you the special icon next to your name to let recruiters know that you're looking. And then I spend time auditing my profile to make sure that it looks amazing, that mm. it's up to date, that it's fully written out in terms of um, not only what I do, but also what I've accomplished. And I try to, uh, when I can, monetize it, uh, my accomplishments or um, show how I can save save money, save time, or build value. Those are the points that recruiters are looking for because recruiters, they are helping their clients respond to a problem, which is usually in terms of those things. Mm-hmm. So make sure that those pieces are in your um, LinkedIn profile and make sure your LinkedIn profile is connected to your resume because that's sort of expected at this point. Mm-hmm. And make sure that if you have pieces in your portfolio, whether it be things you've written, videos you've put together, um, uh, presentations that you've done in your work, make sure that that is linkable in your profile that they can click to. And then get some endorsements um, because people are looking for social proof that you are who you say you are and that you're, you really are. Um, you really do have these skill sets. So you need people in your um, network and your connections to endorse you. And if you do not have any connections, very simple solution to that is to um, make sure your LinkedIn is connected to your um, email contacts. And LinkedIn will it makes it easy for you to just go through and see who of your contacts is on LinkedIn and just start to add them. Because I do think it's important to, to have connections because that, again, shows a recruiter that you are a person that is sort of sort of connected. And um, again, it gives you that social proof. So I think LinkedIn is really your most powerful tool when it comes to your career, because that's where, that's where the audience is for that. Yeah, LinkedIn freaks me out, but I know I have to get on it. <laughs> I'm on all the social medias, but LinkedIn, I don't yeah. know, I have a block around it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the easiest way. I mean, I can't, I started my job search in January mm-hmm. and I was able to connect with at least five recruiters in a matter of like four weeks and I've gotten two jobs and I got two job offers. Wow. So you just really have to be proactive in there. You have to be proactive. You have to have a really nice profile profile. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, again, it goes back to storytelling. So even I hear commonly 
that people get called in for the interview and then they, but then they don't do well in the interviews. So my whole strategy is that I don't prepare for interviews. Mm-hmm. What I do is I just make sure that I know I have little story, story snippets so mm-hmm. that I can tell for, for each, I just have like four stories prepared. And so no matter what question you throw at me, I pull out one of those stories to answer the questions I've learned to sort of, and I know how to manipulate it and how to flip it so that it can still answer the questions. Because even in job interviews, people want to hear the proof, like, like mm-hmm. give me the concrete example that shows me, you know, how to solve this problem or that, or that you can do this thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would say also making sure that you have your little story, story snippets prepared from your career journey that you can use to answer interview questions. That is gold. Like networking 101. And I use this with my hopefully future in-laws as well. I know it sounds so weird, but I literally, on our way to dinner, I think about, okay, what can I tell them about what happened this week? What can I tell them about their son? Because I'm sure they're interested. Okay, what did I cook? Because my mother-in-law would love that. And I literally just have a bank. That way you just avoid, avoid that panic and that anxiety because you have things to resort to. And I think it's the same with an interview. If you treat it like any other personal relationship, like any other networking um, style relationship, that if you could just tell those stories, give those examples, you know, relay. I always look like, where are they from? What are they into? Do they like a certain sports team? Are they from a city that I visited before? Like even things like that, that instantly establish that, that connection, like right as you walk in. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's one of the strongest um, superpowers that I had is that before I would go into an interview, I could actually go on LinkedIn and look at their profile and see where there is um, some commonalities between us. Or even if there wasn't, I could say, oh, I saw this. Um, and can you tell me a little bit more about that? People love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you know an interview is going well if the interviewer ends up speaking more than than you. That's always a great thing. Yeah, for sure. Just doing your homework, you know, doing your homework, having some go-tos um, and letting it flow naturally from there. I know it can be easier said than done because I honestly, I still get nervous for podcasts. Even <laughs> like I told you, I get really nervous when I read that beginning bio and then you warm up, right? Yeah. Um, and that I think people also expect that and they're very compassionate and they're probably just as nervous as you are. I mean, I have a friend who has a business with, 10 employees and before every interview she calls me freaking out like I'm about to interview another person (laughs) um I mean yeah it kind of just depends on personality and how experienced you are but there's still like a level of you know uncertainty that goes into any new meeting anytime you meet a new person yeah absolutely well you're easy you're easy to talk to so I don't I don't think you'll have anything to worry about (laughs) thank you thank you so much I think it's more in my head but I think that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. Like so many people, so many girls and women that I speak to are like, I have nothing interesting to share. They'll be like, I want to, I want to do social media, but what would I talk about? Or I'm too scared to go to this party because like I'm awkwardly sit on the couch and play with the dog, or I don't want to go out on a date because what would I talk about? I'm not interesting in that story of I'm not interesting enough. I mean, it's another self-worth wound. Like even the example that you gave about, um, the tennis player who didn't want to share her story. Yes, there's a part of it that's like, you know, it feels personal, personal and scary. But I think a lot of us just think like, it's just not enough to share, right? Um, and yeah. those, yeah. 
this is terrible. I mean, it, so many women go through this of us, us feeling like how we, how we offer ourselves is not enough, but it is, it's your, it's you. And so many people go through what we've been through and they need us to share our stories. Even, like I always tell my students that the story that you shared is not necessarily a monumental experience. Like that's not what colleges are looking for. They're looking for something simple, something deeply personal, because chances are that they have gone through that thing that you're going through at 17 years old when they were 17 years old. Yeah. So it's good to just share it. Yeah. Relatable. That's what makes people want to, you know, give them the opportunity or just take them to the next level. Um, And it's, and it's beautiful. I mean, same thing with social media. I know it's much different than college, but Usually the stories that I tell are really simple. You know, the other night, my boyfriend and I were on the couch and he said this, and then I said this back and here's what I learned from it. Like, it's nothing. I think we get really caught up on that analogy of like, started from the bottom. I got to tell my transformation. I got to tell how hard it is and how hard it was and the journey and, and do dramatic things in order to make myself be interesting. But like, Usually those ordinary moments are the most extraordinary and that they're the most relatable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where, um, one last question, where do you get that confidence and self-assurance from? Is it something you think you were born with or was it developed or a combination? I developed a really thick skin. I think that that, it just, I, I, when you grow up the way that I grew up where, you know, you just don't have a lot and, People, you're used to sort of people saying no to you. Mm-hmm. You just develop this resilience. And I think that that is innate. I don't think that I learned it. Um, but I can tell you that while I'm resilient, I've been afraid. I have to constantly tell that little thing in my head that just chill out. You're good. You're going to, you're going, you can do this. You can do this and you have to do it. Like what other choice do I have? I, mm-hmm. I don't have a choice. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I have to, you know, it's like, I can either stay here and be stagnant or I can face my fear, go meet with the recruiter, go interview for them and sort of see what happens because I don't have anything to lose. Right. So I guess it depends on, you know, it's about me sort of asking myself, um, is the risk of, not getting the opportunity because my fear worth it, just taking the chance, like, and just seeing what is going to come of it. So, yeah, I would say it's, um, it's, it's having a lot of conversations, internal conversations with myself. And at the end of the day, letting my intuition sort of rule and make the decision. Amen to that. Amen. Bethany, thank you so much. Where can we find you, work with you, hire you? Um, let us know. Yeah. Um, I get the, the easiest places to go to my website is www.standoutcollegeprep.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bethany. This is so valuable. Lots of little tidbits, especially in the midst of a pandemic, which like, when will it be over? <laughs> um, but, you know, all these shifts, like you said, they build resilience. Absolutely. I mean, they, they build character for yeah. sure. Thank you so much, Mary. It's been such a pleasure. You too. Thank you. Bye, everyone.